0: We've spent the last couple of weeks looking at the 103rd Psalm where David's spirit is talking to his soul and he's telling his soul to do two things. First of all, he tells his soul to bless the Lord. And we talked a while back about how we bless the Lord. And ultimately, if you want to bless someone, you do something that pleases them and causes them to smile. And so you could just pray, Lord, help me to make you smile with my life. And if you'll do that, you're going to be blessing him. When you obey him, he smiles. It says that whenever one sinner repents, all heaven rejoices. And so we know that Repentance makes him smile. And so, and there are other things as well. But the thing is, is that he talks to his soul. And just to remind you, and some of you who weren't here, our body or our lives, our personalities, who we are before God, we are made up of body, soul, and spirit. The spirit is God conscious. The soul is is self-conscious, includes the mind, emotions, and the will. The body is world-conscious. It connects us, connects our souls and our spirits with the surroundings, with the world. And it is in the soul. That's where our will resides. And so sometimes we need to talk to our soul our spirit that knows what God wants, needs to tell our soul what to do. And our souls need to agree with our spirit. And what happened in the fall, back in the Garden of Eden, back in that time, soul and spirit were in tune with all of them in connection with God. And then with the fall, As God told Adam, if you eat from that tree, you will surely die. And the death was not a physical death at that moment, but death did enter into the world at that moment. And so did destruction, so did decay, so did all the imperfections in a harmonious world come about that's now resulting in these earthquakes and these hurricanes. Uh, it could all go back and be related back to the fall when mankind messed up a perfect world and it's going to continue until uh, we finally uh, uh, come to that time when God's going to set it all straight. And we look forward to that. And that's why whatever we see all the desolation and destruction and things going on that we got started, that we say, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Because we look forward to that time when all this is going to be over. But we live in this in-between time. And we are born, uh, as uh, the psalmist David says in another place, he said, I was born in iniquity and I was born into a sinful environment. I was born into a world that is filled with moral evil and to a culture that is filled with moral evil. And uh, all of humankind winds up being born in iniquity. Not that they're born because of sinful acts per se, but they're born into a, a world where everything around us pulls us and tries to pull us away from God. And so somehow we have to be restored to God. And so the first of the blessings that we see, number two, first of all, we saw that David told his soul to bless the Lord. Then he tells his soul, forget not. And if you're trying not to forget something, you have to focus on it, don't you? And so backwardly, he's telling his soul to focus on God's benefits. Pay attention to his benefits. And then he lists those benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with loving compassion and loving kindness, who satisfies your years with good things so your youth is renewed like the eagle. The first one who forgives all your iniquities is the entrance into all the other benefits of being in fellowship with God. It's so important that we focus on the fact that God forgives our sin. He does not condone our sin. He does not allow us to define what sin is and what sin is not. He's already done that for us. And I just want to stop right here. And uh, just uh, this is something that nowadays, there are people that are wanting to say, we don't even need the cross anymore. There are people that are wanting to say, well, God loves everybody. He's not going to uh, let anyone perish. Uh, that's not what the way he reveals himself. And in this 103rd Psalm, we see all the other benefits wrapped up in God's mercy, in God's grace, his loving kindness, his compassion, and yet also his holiness as we read on down in the psalm going on with verse uh, six right after the youth renewed life the eagle says the lord performs righteous deeds and judgment for all who are oppressed he made known his ways to moses his acts to the sons of israel and this comes right out of exodus 34 6 through 7 where it says the lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. And then the David goes on and says, he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind is passed over it, it is no more and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And that word fear can also be translated. Let me find it here. uh, Let's see. Faithful to his gracious promises, uh, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. So we see God's sovereignty, we see God's compassion, and then we also see that uh, he is holy, and he cannot tolerate sin. And then uh, the, when it talks about, revealed himself to Moses, and then talks about, describes his compassion and all. That comes right out of Exodus 34, 6 through 7, where Moses wanted to see God, and Moses hit him in the cleft of a rock, and he said, you wait till I'm passed by, and you can look after I pass by, you can look at my back, you can't see my face and live. That's how holy he is. It says, then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness to thousands, who forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. And so you see, we can't say, oh, don't pay attention to this stuff about sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates our souls from God. And it's our souls that must be saved. And God made the bridge between uh, our sinfulness and our going our own way and him through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where the punishment is paid if we will receive it. He wants us all to be at his banqueting table. There are three different places I can think of right off the top of my head where there are banquets. The ultimate one will be the marriage feast of the Lamb that we see in Revelation, where all those who have made it through and are the Lord's are going to be gathered around to celebrate Jesus and his church his bride being together. Well, another place that we see a banquet is in the story that we read the middle of today, the story of the prodigal son. And we see that something happened to the son. It says he came to himself. He'd been going his own way. He thought he knew the best way. And then it says he came to himself and said, and then he went back. And this is what God calls us all to do, is to come back. Ever since the Garden of Eden, when the Lord walked down and Adam and Eve were hiding, and he said, Adam, Adam, where art thou? He's been calling to each one of us. He's been calling, uh, wanting us to respond. And then there's another story that Jesus tells about a wedding feast, where the father had the feast all ready to celebrate and he invited people to come and they wouldn't come. So he invited them again. They still wouldn't come. He sent the messengers out a third time. They were so put out with him inviting, him, they killed the messenger. And then it says that the father sent his armies out and obliterated all those that had refused to come and had killed his messengers. And then he said, now I want you to go out, told his uh, his messengers that were late. They had moral messengers. You go out the highways, the byways and anybody you come across, you invite them. And so they invited those that were the poor, the lame beggars, all sorts of people. And they came to the wedding feast It says there was one guy there that wasn't dressed in a wedding attire. And he said, how come you're not wearing a wedding uh, outfit? And said that he was speechless. And so he was thrown out. And the whole thing is, is that if you don't, and at the end of that, he says, many are called, but few are chosen. And this is what I'm getting at. God calls to all of us. He chooses those who choose to respond. Those are the chosen. Many are called. He loves everybody in the whole wide world. He wants us all to come to him. He chooses those who come. Now, the prodigal son, he arose and he headed back home. And it says that when his father saw him, he ran out to greet him. And he didn't put him on any probationary period. Instead, he put a cloak around his shoulders, put a ring on his finger and made him one of the family again. And this is just what if you all ever heard that about many are called, but few are chosen. Do you see there? He calls, but it's up to us to come. And then we see with the guy being cast out, uh, the fact that uh, you got to come the right way. The one guy that came in there not dressed for the wedding feast, he wasn't paying any attention to what was really going on. He came for the food. He came for what he could get out of it. He didn't come for the right reason. He was trying to get in and be there for the wrong reason. So here we've got it. We've got to come. We've got to come the right way. And if we do that, we are chosen. We're the ones that are supposed to be there. David was one who had realized and known God's loving kindness and one who had realized and recognized his forgiveness in major, major ways. And so he says, who forgives all your iniquities. Now, I'm going to have to, we'll talk about the difference between, well, I'll tell you real quickly, there are three things just like there's body, soul, and spirit, there are three different things that we always just refer to as sin. First of all, there's iniquity, then there's transgression, and then there's sin. We've already talked about we're born into iniquity. We're born separated from God because of just the sinfulness of the human heart. The soul is self-centered, and the soul is has to make a decision to become God-centered. And so this is what we're talking about. We're born separated from God. We're born wanting to go our way. A transgression are those actions that come forth from our just being sinful people, being uh, iniquitous people, being people separated from God. And sin is when we know what's right and we choose to do wrong anyway. Uh, it's a willful thing. Sin is. And so the best example is like you take a little kid. They'll be there in a room and they'll see another little kid with a toy. They'll go over and grab the toy away because they want to play with it. They'll just Grab and say, Mine. That's one of the first words some kids learned, isn't it? Mine. And so uh, uh, that's uh, that's. The child, a child is born self-centered, wanting to have their own way. Whenever things don't go their way, they let you know about it. And so mine. Now then that child has to be taught right from wrong. And the child is taught. And then the child knows better. If the child is taught, you share. If the child then went and took a, uh, something away from another kid, that would be a sin. If for the first time it took away, that was a transgression. He didn't know any better, but he did the wrong thing. Do you see the difference? There are these fine lines. They're all against God's will. They're all separated from God. And so God forgives us our iniquities, our sins, our transgressions. He forgives it all. But there's a doorway that we have to go through. And that doorway is repentance. And some people don't know the difference between remorse and repentance. The best example I see in the Bible of that is Judas. Judas felt great remorse for what he had done for Jesus. It said, and it uses the word remorse. He felt horribly bad emotionally. He was just so distraught and he tried to make things right in his own way by giving the money back. He couldn't make things right, and so he went out, and in his remorse and in his pain brought about by his sinfulness, he killed himself, hung himself on a tree. Remorse without repentance is a horrible, horrible thing, but remorse is an emotion, and this is just it. Repentance is a decision followed by Action. And this is the gateway into the kingdom of God. If you'll remember, whenever John the Baptist first appeared, his message began, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Whenever Jesus first started preaching, he said, Repent. He didn't say, Feel bad. The whole point is not to get you to feel bad, the whole point is to get you on the right track. And so then, Finally, we see in Acts, the second chapter, 38th verse, we see Peter speaking to the multitudes whenever they finally realized Jesus really meant what he said. And Jesus really was who he is. He really was who he said he was. And we killed him. And now he's back from the dead. They were scared to death. And so they said, brethren, what must we do to be saved? And the first word out of Peter's mouth was repent. Repent and believe the gospel and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, they did and they were saved. And that's the way it's always been. But you see, this is a doorway. And uh, It's in, there's, with repentance, it's an inner decision. The soul must make a decision. The ego, in our self-centeredness, God calls to us. And He calls to us to come His way, to quit going the other way. He calls to us. And then we're called to repent. And to repent means, first of all, in the Greek, the word means to change your mind. In the Hebrew, it means to go another direction. And so when you put them both together, you get exactly uh, what it's all about. You see, you have a change of heart, you have a change of direction in your heart, and then you turn and you go the other way. And this is where the most beautiful example is that of the prodigal son. He went away from his father. He knew his father loved him. He, that's why he knew he could get away with asking for his inheritance. He knew how compassionate and kind his father was. But see, his father let him go. And this is our free will. He lets all of us go. He calls to us, but he's not going to come after us. But when we start moving toward him, he'll come and meet us. And so repentance brings us to the place to where we can receive God's forgiveness and move on into all the other blessings that he has. And oh, what a blessed life he has for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.